You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Welcome to episode 127, which is uh, if you you know index from zero, that's how many how many bits bytes? What is that? Um, <laughs> what power of two are we dealing with? You're just uh, the worst. <laughs> okay, 127. It feels like a landmark. You know, we have all these arbitrary milestones we mark. Uh, five cubed was my favorite recent one. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards, and I am David Lyons. And uh, before we jump into some follow-up and some, some uh, current events stuff, I uh, want to shout out to our Reddit community, which is slowly, slowly trickling along. We have some... I, I still really enjoy even the, the, the questions and comments we get there. Um, no matter how few, they're, they're all precious snowflakes that I'm excited to <laughs> respond to. So if you want to jump into the discussion on Reddit, you can head to reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables. And uh, each episode, barring our moderation woes, will show up there <laughs> right after we publish an episode. Yeah, I think that may be fixed. In fact, this will be the episode that we know if I did it right on. So <laughs> Reddit, how does it work? Uh, and uh, this is a tech podcast, but what is happening to our country, man? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, th- this every time something like this happens, which already like we're two sentences into talking about this, and I had to use the phrase every time because this happens a lot. But every time one of these shootings or, or some kind of you know horrible massacre tragedy happens, it's and it, John Stewart before he left the Daily Show even did a thing about like how we have like the play where the, the tragedy happens and then everybody grieves and then people say we should do something and then other people say, no, this isn't the time because we'd be responding out of emotion and then we we all have to like go to work and pay our mortgage and you know get the kids to school and, and then like we just, we have to move on and nothing gets yeah. changed, you know, nothing changes and then it, it happens again and now they're happening in such quick succession that it's like, when you get too high into a game of Simon where you just can't keep up, <laughs> like it's, it's the, the tragedies are now coming so close together that we're not even done grieving the last one yeah. before it's like, Oh my God, it's happened again. Yeah. And there's a lot of people with a lot of things they want to say either emotionally or to try to talk about problems in our society. And I don't want to make this podcast isn't really about that, but I do have some two cents that I personally, I really do feel an an urging to do what I can in my own life to make sure I'm finding ways to be part of diverse communities, to not silo myself off. Um, And I'm, I'm still figuring out what that means authentically for me. Like I I think it's going to have to do with my hobbies and passions and making sure I act those out in community with people and not just in some kind of financially lucrative bubble or, (laughs) um, but that I I do find ways to explore that, to, to be part of, uh, these communities that are hurting, that are overlooked, that are disadvantaged. Um, cause they exist, they really do. And it's, this is a, a legacy on our country. And even if you want to point to data that 
maybe there's fewer shootings than ever before and we're just diagnosing them way more because we have cameras everywhere. It doesn't take away how awful these these tragedies are and that there's still something to fix. So I hadn't heard uh, anyone on the the other side of this argument. Cause I mean, we're you and I are both being very ginger to not like make this into a big political rant. And, and I don't think like, I'm not ashamed of my opinions. I'm sure that you're not ashamed of your opinions, but we know people don't come here for that. But, uh, for someone to use as a counter argument, um, Oh, Hey, you know, it, there used to be, you know, 7,000 shootings a year. And now there's only like 6,000. It's like, yeah, but isn't that still too many? Like, are, isn't, <laughs> isn't the number we're looking for a zero, <laughs> like with a margin of error of zero. So any is too many. Like there are very few things that are so cut and dry as, uh, you know, the extreme end being the right answer, but I think the yeah. right amount of mass shootings is zero. None mass shootings. <laughs> well, and there's the weird deflections like more people die in car accidents. And I'm like, that's also a big problem. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for finding other things that are terrible and that cost human life. Um, but I, I do feel, and I know not everyone sees it this way. I'm being ginger again. Um, I, I think our country is amazingly segregated still. Um, racially segregated along education, access to schools, economic opportunities, um, let alone if you want to get into like police discrimination as one pocket of it. There's, there's so many ways that we're just, we're all divided up. And to me, the answer is not, let's build those walls higher. Let's insulate ourselves from <laughs> each other more because we're violent with each other. It's like, no, we need to know each other. We need to walk with each other. We need to be in community. And then the others won't be monsters that we're afraid of and feel threatened by. They will be our brothers and sisters, literally. So um, that's sort of my little rant, you know, to not be ginger about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the the fear of the other thing is, it, I, I mean, it's a deep-rooted thing in probably all animal biology, but, you know, if if it's your tribe versus the other tribe, you want your tribe to win, but that's in like a scarcity economy. Yeah, hunter gatherer, ancient yeah. prehistoric yeah. lizard yeah. brain. Yeah. <laughs> Only one of us is walking away from this tree with the right bananas and it's going to be me kind of thing. And, and I know that sounds like silly and reductive and people are like, Oh, we can't fight biology. And it's like, look around you. <laughs> like, yes, we totally, absolutely 100% can. So, the the entire function of society is to overcome the limitations of nature and to organize <laughs> ourselves and do things that we weren't, you know, designed or didn't evolve or whatever, however you feel we got here to do. So I may only be able to keep, I, I don't know, the, what's the number? Like you can only know, like really know like 125 people or something. Yeah. So whatever that number is, but I can just... Wouldn't it be easier to just assume that every other person who looks like a human being is probably also a human being <laughs> and probably also has like needs and wants and probably doesn't want to die and has a family? Yeah. Like these are all things that are pretty safe to assume. Like statistically, the number of people who are Hitler is zero, right? <laughs> like, like it's just it's, it rounds off. And I mean guns have been a topic you know perennially in these situations and i do think guns make all of these situations worse because 
simple arguments become homicides <laughs> when they could just be simple arguments. <laughs> or um, And so it's sort of like, I, I understand where the, the gun rights people are a little paranoid, like, hey, it's not really a gun problem. And I'm like, yeah, but people died because there was a gun involved. <laughs> like, it's not it was, really a gun problem. It's just a problem that guns make inexorably worse. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it wouldn't be any less of a civil rights infraction to be pulled over for a taillight and end up going to jail and being beat up, you know, and whatever. Like, that would still be wrong, but at least he wouldn't be dead. Yeah. Uh, this, anyway. this is, this is, so when... when you know, the, this weekend passed, or no, I guess it was in the middle of the week. I'm all my my schedule's all thrown off. So yeah, when this when these these three separate tragedies just happened over the course of, but I guess by the time you're listening to this last week, um, I'm I'm usually pretty good at kind of isolating and like breaking away from not the events and what my responsibility as a member of society is, but from like the crushing weight of how horrible they are and and i fully respect that that's like an option that i even get right like not everybody especially if they're part of these communities gets to say like i'm not going to feel like i want to shoot myself to get away from this this country that's probably going to end up shooting me anyway but i this was like it it was just too much like i the other night i just had to sit down and like have a little bit of a weep like i was just and and there's this even a selfish aspect to it is like I have two small children and I'm just like this is what they get to grow up in, awesome. So even yeah. if the crazy person who says the you know oh there's less shootings than ever, even if they're right, it's still like do I want to raise my kid in a society with any shootings and with not just you know violence but this seemingly. Uh, completely systemic unbalanced against a certain kind of person violence like this this is not it's not good man like it's really it's 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 terrifying it's just upsetting and oh my god well there was one of the articles i was reading about it it just had a picture of alton and and philando and they were just you know they're just normal pictures of them smiling and there's something when i paused on that i just lost it the other night it was just like yeah. God damn, this is this is wrong, and I mean they're they're on a pile of hundreds and thousands of this happening in our country's history, and um, it's sort of like the the tech angle on it is it's interesting how ubiquitous, sort of like our C-SPAN topic the other week. Like, it's awesome that technology can help expose this because I have no doubt that this has been going on. It's just now finally, it's not as hard to get the world to see it. Hopefully <laughs> they're still yeah, fighting yeah. like hell to not see it, but <laughs> I, I've seen multiple people yourself included make the joke of uh, when we got ubiquitous high definition cameras everywhere, suddenly UFOs and Bigfoot went away, but racism came like screaming <laughs> into the public consciousness. And, and, you know, again, I, I can't help it. You know, everything I, every, every way I observe the world is colored by the privilege that I have that all these victims don't have but you know i didn't when i was a kid i don't remember before everyone had you know super hd cameras with cell radios in them everywhere they went i don't remember ever seeing on the news these kinds of stories are and absolutely not with this kind of frequency you know and it's just like is it 
is it's not very likely that between the 90s, the early 2000s and the 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 teens now that suddenly all of society has gone to crap. We are just <laughs> now being forced to deal with it in a very like visceral and straight on way and it's you know, for anyone who says like, oh, it's terrible. I don't want to see that. I don't want to hear about it. It's like, good. Yes, that feeling will drive you to action. Yeah. And if you want to have any scientific rigor to it, you don't like if we have a, a new, stronger microscope that can detect more evasive forms of cancer, you don't go, suddenly this new kind of cancer exists. <laughs> you go, suddenly we can see this cancer. Yep. <laughs> So you have a website here. Tell, tell me about what this campaign is. Yeah, so there's this thing called Campaign Zero, and uh, thought I'd share. I'm not affiliated with this site, but I saw it on a, a Reddit, or no, a, a Twitter, a tweet even. Um, <laughs> and what this is, is um, it's a, one of those awesome websites set up to track Congress's action um, state by state on addressing uh, police overuse of force or the accountability that goes into police forces. Cause, um, I don't think, so I've seen some weird dichotomies presented in comments of like, so I think even in Dallas, there was a convenience store that got looted in the insanity and everyone's like, ha ha, you see what happens when there's no police. And I'm like, no one is saying we want zero police. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is not an either or of like, either we have what we have where people are shot at traffic stops or we have looting and chaos. And I'm like, no, no one is saying that's what we want. Um, but nonetheless, um, I think what most reasonable people would say is proper oversight, proper accountability for use of force. Um, these things all make sense and they're severely lacking in many parts of our country. So this Campaign Zero is uh, about sort of organizing the public civic duty response to make sure our legislators are doing the work they need to do to add reform, to uh, add these oversight measures and make sure we're holding police departments accountable to how they use force. And so they've got a nice little state map uh, with color-coded how far along different states are in um, employing reforms and uh, adding these these new things. Uh, body cameras, um, no for-profit policing, just lots of weird, disturbing trends, um, independent reviews. So that'll be in the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 127 as a, a resource you can see where your state is and uh, if there's anything you can do to get in touch with your representatives to make sure you're, we, we are voicing that we want these changes in our society. And it's, uh, it's easier than ever, right? You can find <laughs> the email addresses and phone numbers of your Congress people, you know, before you head out of the house to vote, which hopefully you vote, you can do a quick, uh, PolitiFact, you know, scan of the person you were planning to vote for, or that, you know, the people that are running, it is, ignorance of the issues and 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 saying you had an inability to communicate your opinion hasn't really been true in a long time and it gets less valid of an excuse with every passing day so anybody who feels like oh my one vote doesn't matter or my one call to a congressperson doesn't matter it's like that that's that's the what is it that no no single drop of ocean feels responsible for the flood or no yeah. single drop of water feels responsible for the Let, flood so let's not be an entire country of bystander effect yeah i mean that's 
that is what's happening, and it's uh, so. Anything else you want to say about this? I mean, we could obviously go on about this for the rest of our lives, but yeah, um, just that I, even though we're not a politics cast, I this did personally hit me pretty hard, so I wanted to say something and um, would welcome discussion from listeners if you have reactions too. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm open to both sides of this discussion. Um, what I won't accept is, you know, uh, you know, racism, bigotry, any of the things that are causing these problems. <laughs> not a, uh, not open to any of that. But if somebody has like an interesting pro-gun argument or why police are beyond the rights of normal citizens, like I'd. I'd be open yeah. to hearing it. I just, it's going to be difficult to convince me, but I mean, I'm, I'm open to hearing it. And we don't have time this episode, but one of the very interesting tech topics around uh, the Dallas tragedy is they used a robot to deal with the shooter. Um. I, I saw like a couple tweets and headlines about that, which I didn't get to see all the detail, but it's, it kind of reminded me that, uh, whenever I hear someone talk about like, oh, we have to keep in bare arms in case the military comes after us, it's just like, no, <laughs> they have robots with bombs and they have bombs <laughs> and they have rocket launchers and tanks. And no, your 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 AR-15 hunting rifle, no matter how tricked out, is not going to save you if they really wanted to kill you. So just yeah. calm down. <laughs> Well, and it was a bomb defusal robot, and uh, they apparently often outfit those with small explosives <laughs> so that they can trigger bombs safely if, that, if that's the goal in the situation. <laughs> but in this case, they wanted to trigger it to destroy a person. But so, so they sent it in and like where there was a person and were like, okay, we're going to blow this person up. <laughs> Pretty much. Holy which, sh- um, that's why it's an interesting topic. Um, I, I don't think it's, uh, in this particular case, it's a legally controversial thing, even if general ethics wise, it's a very interesting situation. Um, <laughs> in this case, the cops were probably going to kill him no matter what, unless he surrendered himself and he wasn't going to surrender himself and he was actively shooting still. And so they, they have in that a very well established right to just take them down if that's the situation and so whether it's a knife a gun or a robot that blows up i think the the means is it's a different academic conversation (laughs) yeah well and so the the other uh kind of tech angle to this this particular story in dallas was they did the same thing they did with the boston bombing where they were just like hey twitter here's a black guy with a gun come and help us find him. And it turned out that that guy had apparently nothing to do with it and was a totally legit law abiding citizen. And you know, the, the Twitter mob and the Reddit mob and the Facebook mobs and everybody who is rightfully outraged and horrified by what had happened, then is like trying to basically dox this guy and and find out any details they can about him. And it's, you know, this is what makes people freak out about privacy because you have a perfectly innocent person who, for whatever reason, I mean, let's be honest, like black guy with a gun, they, given the circumstances, he looked more guilty than white guy with a gun would have or white woman without a gun would have. So, you know, they, they zoned in on him as a possible suspect. And then 
like the internet was just like, yep, he's definitely him. It's like, <laughs> no, we don't know that yet. Maybe yeah. everybody just slow down. And he, I saw a couple of short interviews with him. He was like incredibly cool and understanding, which on the one hand, I'm like, wow, that is like a freaking Zen master. But then on the other hand, I'm like, <laughs> because he knows if he gets upset, there'll be like backlash and retribution. Like he's a black guy who was carrying a firearm in public. Like he needs to be like, oh, no, it's fine. Just please don't shoot me. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the frustrating thing with that situation was that after he was exonerated, people found footage of him not shooting while the shooting started. Um, they kept that tweet up without any follow-up for like hour i think it might even still be up and so it's like okay you can't incite a public witch hunt and then when you find out the witch is really just a random person <laughs> just leave the witch wanted poster up on the wall yeah i i saw this morning it was up and it had been up for i think like 15 hours at that point or something and jeez. <laughs> Okay, we should probably okay. We can move away on. from this. Um, as a very incredibly weird aside, before you you explain why you're deserting me forever, um, <laughs> just as a kind of on the flip side of like where our country is now to like where it came from, uh, I've been listening to the music from Hamilton. It's like really good. <laughs> so, <laughs> is that you, the, are you the first person to recognize that it's good? <laughs> No, I'm just really late <laughs> no, to the I'm game, just, and, I am, <laughs> and I am, in fact, uh, confirming what others were implying, right? Because they their opinions were not valid until I just validated them. <laughs> Is um, that like it, when Apple invents a new feature? It's now, now raised to wake on iOS 10 is the best thing ever, and I'm glad they came up with it. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> a tastemaker, you might say. Um, but if you're into musicals, um, it's kind of like half rap, half song. Uh, it's really cool. And it did actually inspire me while I was listening to it to be like, huh, that sounded kind of fantastical. I'm going to look that up on the <laughs> internet. And they did a pretty good job of either sticking to things that were true and not blowing them out of proportion just for the sake of theater. Or the other possibility is uh, the Wikipedia articles are now all based on that musical. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> e either way the source of truth and the musical now reflect each other. So we're good. I wonder if before Hamilton, if uh, anyone's knowledge of Aaron Burr and, and that whole dual situation was uh, informed by the got milk ad where he had some cookies and ran out of milk and couldn't say Aaron Burr clearly to win the radio contest. Are you familiar <laughs> with this ad? No. Okay. You know, nineties got milk. No, I like, mean, I, I remember ridiculous. the got milk campaign. I just don't remember. A guy so yeah, calling a radio station. There's like a guy sitting in his house hearing like a radio contest. Do you know who shot Alexander Hamilton? Whatever. And uh, he answers and he calls and he goes, oh, boy, but his mouth's full of cookies and he doesn't have milk. So he would have won if he had some milk. So therefore, you have to go buy milk so, so you can answer <laughs> trivia. <laughs> of course. Uh, oh, my God. I totally remember this. <laughs> and it's actually peanut butter. Uh peanut butter sandwich no i totally first off i found it on youtube in like half second because the internet is amazing um but oh this is well i, I think that's the extent of most people's knowledge of Aaron, anything alexander hamilton well and he's on what the 10 sure <laughs> yeah it's it's oh man i'm gonna feel like a total jackass now uh i thought it was him on the 10 
You're yeah. probably right. I just uh, yeah, not no, paid he, attention to cash in a long time. He's, he's totally on the 10. Anyway, I'm going to put uh, the link to this YouTube commercial into the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 127. We're back on track. Uh, but I did it earlier for campaign zero, so we're, we're overcompensating. Uh, <laughs> exactly. That's our normal state. <laughs> Uh, we still got some more follow-up. So uh, apparently some side comments revealed that I'm moving to Ohio because of standing desk imp- improvised by packing. And uh, one of our Redditor community commenters was like, wait, what? You're leaving? <laughs> and uh, the good news is I'm not leaving flipping tables, but I am moving out of Colorado. And uh, I thought we could just properly address this since someone asked and was <laughs> like, what, what is happening? Um, the long story short is Shelby got a new job, an awesome new job that we didn't want to say no to, to do, uh, she does education policy research and it's, uh, you know, education is a big old mess that I'm happy to not be involved in, but she has the wonderful mind and, uh, grit to dive right in there and, and help, uh, inform legislators and, and work with departments on all this stuff. And, uh, it was sort of our long-term plan, like maybe in the next five years, we're going to go back to the Midwest and be close to her family. And uh, there's a chance some of my family might end up back in Ohio. And so it was kind of like this ethereal back of our minds thing. And then this job opportunity came up and my job was a little less sticky than it used to be. So it was kind of like, all right, let's do this. It's time. And so that's why (laughs) I'm going to Columbus. Um, my employment future is a little less certain. Um, I'm still working for University of Colorado a little bit, but I'm going to be looking for my next gig, whether that's freelancing or finding a spot somewhere else doing creative work. So we'll see how that goes. And that's, that's really it. (laughs) And peace out. (laughs) Now we actually, uh, gosh, how long has it been since we started recording flipping tables remotely? Well, 127 weeks, give or take. (laughs) So two and a half years ish. Remotely, really? Oh, remotely. No, yeah, I remotely. thought you were just saying in general. No, no. Um, <laughs> that was whenever you left CU, basically. Yeah. So like April of last year. So we're over a year. Yeah. So as long as you're able to get decent uh, Wi-Fi in in Ohio, we'll pretty much just stay the course, you and I. It looks like I'm going to get better internet. Um, at least a hundred Mbps is going to be possible gotta hate you right now (laughs) (laughs) and it's not comcast oh Uh, my god speaking of i think you need to tell us about i'm gonna go get some popcorn while you explain (laughs) what's going on so uh more comcast shenanigans um and this was their fault like they reached out to me to cause me more grief so uh i was sitting actually in like a little restaurant uh eating and my phone rings they interrupted me listening to Hamilton, actually, the bastards. And, <laughs> and so I answer it, and this woman says, you know, like, oh, hey, we have a great promotion from Comcast. And I usually politely shut these people down right away, and I'm just kind of like, no, it's I'm happy with things the way they are. It's fine. Leave me alone. But for some reason, I was just like, okay, just do your thing. And so... She offered me uh, roughly double the internet speed I was paying for, and then a bunch of like HBO streaming channels and crap I don't care about because I already have other ways to do that stuff. And it's $30 less a month than I'm paying right now. And I was like, 
okay, let me make sure. And I like read it back to her. I was like, it's this. Yeah, it's this. Yeah, it's this thing. Yeah. And these are the penalties if I quit. Yeah. And if I don't quit, this is what the price will go up to. Yeah. And your name is and your employee number is. And she gave it to me and I was like, okay, let's do it, I guess. (laughs) And then she did do one. She screwed one thing up uh, that just like kind of grated on me. But I was like, whatever was once I said like, okay, we're going to do this. She said, oh, I just have to, you know, confirm that I'm speaking to the right person. And she was like, can you just confirm your name and address and the phone number that's on record? And I said, no. And she was like, why not? And I said, because you called me. I have no idea who you are. And she was like, well, I need to confirm that it's you. And I said, how about we do this? You start each of those things and I will finish them. Like to prove that I I know the rest of the piece and that you know part of the piece, which is not ironclad security by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) But I was like, it's something, right? Um, And I was going to get particularly nervous if she asked me for like payment information or social security or anything, but she didn't do that. She also screwed it up and just read out all of my information to me. And I was like, close. Not exactly. (laughs) Not exactly two factor. Makes you feel good about what someone else could do to your account. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, close enough. So then we get off the phone and then um, she had said, you'll probably see a prorated charge for uh, the part of the month where you have higher internet and then there'll be a a credit for the rest. And I was like, as soon as she said that, I was like, they're going to screw this up. They're going (laughs) to screw this up. I know they're going to screw this up. So sure enough, I get home and the next day I get an email that says your Comcast bill is ready. And it was, it wasn't just wrong. It was like $50 wrong. Like it was just way, way, which I'm kind of thankful for because it stood out as like being so obviously wrong. (laughs) So I, I, you know, after a bunch of swearing that Susan had to be a victim of, because I was just like, ah, those mother (laughs) sassafras. Yeah. Go find me in the Alps. So (laughs) I call Comcast and this, you know, perfectly innocent has nothing to do with the situation. Woman answers the phone after I might add like 20 times of me yelling at their automated system to just give me a person. But I, I, she picks up the phone and I said, here's my problem. Here's what I've already done. Put me on the phone with your supervisor immediately. And she just went, um, and I was like, I need to speak to someone who has the authority to give me the full credit of this bill back because that is all I'm going to accept. Can you do that? And she was like, uh, and I was like, put me on the phone with your supervisor. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying to like be level, but I like, I, I'm at work. Like, I don't want to deal yeah. with this for a single second longer than I your have to. time so. has value. <laughs> right. So she gets me on the phone with a supervisor and I just said, you know, here's the problem. Here is why I'm aggravated. Here is what you're going to do about it. Please give me your name and employee number. So when this inevitably is wrong, I can say this is the person who worked yeah. with me. And she was just like, can I put you on hold for a second? And I was like, fine. So she puts me on hold and then like really you know, quick, like 15 or 20 seconds, she comes back. She must have looked at my account and seen the litany of stuff that happened over the last <laughs> six weeks. And she just came back and was like, Mr. Lyons, we've decided that it is absolutely appropriate to credit the full amount of your bill this month to your account, which includes what I was supposed to, like the $20 yeah. like I should have actually paid for the, the, you know, the over whatever as I switched plans. And uh, I was just like, good. <laughs> so, so that's that's done. But uh, but next month's going to come knocking. Yeah, it'll, it'll all be wrong. Um, but it turns out that 
if you're dealing with someone in customer service, and I mean, I wasn't rude. I was just, I was very stern. Like, this is what I will consider an acceptable resolution to this problem without a little back and forth ahead of time. Um, but it turns out that when you were dealing with someone over the phone, uh, they have a recording and you don't. And uh, yeah, you can like take the time to set up the recording and all like that. But you know, it works equally well. Just saying, I need your name and employee number so that if I have to call back, I can tell the person I speak to who I spoke to. And then they suddenly get like super duper serious. Like, <laughs> they are way more interested in solving this problem for you once and for all, because there's always the risk you're going to call back and be like, I need to speak to, you know, Jim's supervisor. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is true for a lot of jobs still that part of your job is to keep problems off your boss's desk. And so it's that's true. A, it's one of the last reliable motivators sometimes when you're dealing with bad companies. And it's not, I mean, some of these employees you talk to may be perfectly amazing people, but they're in a system where they're not allowed to help you a lot of times. Um, they're Absolutely. by policy not allowed to like help you solve your problem. Which is why, because I've had to deal with credits through Comcast before, the first person I spoke to, I knew that person would not have the ability to fully fix this problem because she wasn't going to be able to give me a full credit on the bill. So it's like, I don't even... I don't want to talk to you. Like, just put me on with your boss <laughs> because I know your boss is capable of giving me the only thing I'm going to accept as as a solution <laughs> to this problem. And, you know, it's it's just like, I mean, you said it. My time has value. Your time has value. Their time has value. There's no reason for me to be on the phone with the tier one person for 15 minutes so that she can say, let me transfer you to my supervisor. It's like, I knew that was what I needed. <laughs> uh <sighs> table flipped fingers crossed that my next isp will just be less terrible it just has to be less terrible and i will be giddy with excitement yeah. it's it's like that's what we've just been conditioned to accept in this country <laughs> um and i may have asked you this do you happen to know who it is the isp i'm going to use next yeah wow wow yeah wow <laughs> I've never. Is I think it they, like, like ShamWow? Like, <laughs> like Yahoo, they have an exclamation mark. I think is part of the Ooh. trademark. <laughs> I mean, um, good good for them, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's that or Time Warner, which I am going to avoid like the plague, or AT and T, UVerse, which I would reluctantly settle for, but it's not going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have to let us know how it goes. And I'll <laughs> let everyone knows know how it goes because if I'm cursing about how much editing I have to do on Twitter, then that'll be a clear <laughs> indicator. Right. I, I, I feel like our, our woes have been Comcast-related because I record with a friend in Germany every other week, and we almost never have any problems. Yeah, that's uh, more than a little annoying. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you want to talk about Nexus phones? Yeah, there's some interesting rumors about Google kind of taking command of their product design even more deeply than before. Yeah, that that's really what the main rumor is right now, is that uh, the 2016 Nexus phones, which are codenamed Sailfish and Marlin, <laughs> um, they are going to be made supposedly by HTC. They're going to... Uh, the the smaller one, which I think is Sailfish, will be five inches or you know a five inch screen, and then uh, Marlin will be five and a half inches. But there's a couple interesting pieces to this. One is that 
all of the current rumors from these these fairly reliable sources indicate that the phones will only differ in screen size and battery size and that the storage processor ram everything else is going to be identical so no 5x situation no 5x situation they're either both good or they both suck but they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna have the same we're hardware. in this together <laughs> yeah and and the i mean i like the 5x but it had some hardware hangups and it was a little bigger than I wanted. So I was like, eh, if I'm going to deal with bigger than I want, then I might as well have stuck with the six P which was huge, but worked awesome. So uh, that, you know, this, this is exciting to me because uh, it looks nice. Um, you know, the Android police apparently got very like hyper detailed information. So they made renders based on the, the information they were given so the the renders that are in this article are, and they admit it. You know, they're they're fake. I guess the renders, of course, they're fake. But they, this is what they're pretty sure it's going to look like. And R- rounded corner. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a small bezel. Looks yeah, slick. It's a, it's a rectangle. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's. I, I did a a five inch screen phone with similar size bezels would be like the Nexus Five. Uh, so I threw in the show notes a link to Phone Arena with the Nexus 5 and the iPhone SE side-by-side. And, I mean, it's definitely taller, which is like, oh, it's a little bit taller. That'll make it a little bit harder to use one-handed to get to the whole screen. But it's only a little bit wider, which means I'll still be able to hold it securely. And that's, you know, if you're, like, trying to walk and use your phone or if you're trying to do something one-handed, you don't want it to be sliding out. So unless the reviews come out for this thing and it is just a total dumpster fire, I'm almost definitely going back because iOS is pissing me off. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Are you are you lying on your couch? How does it make you feel? <laughs> on, on my fainting couch, <laughs> yeah. with with a, the my knuckles across my forehead, all woe is me style. Um, have so, you named your pain? <laughs> so I know uh, Android has paper cuts, right? So it's not a matter of like which paper cuts are more annoying than the others uh holistically in the universe it's which paper cuts are more annoying to you as an individual and using ios as my daily driver now i'm still wildly in love with the hardware i'm still able to tolerate the small screen because it's easy to you know do everything one-handed so you get something in return for that small screen but the 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 constant uh random and incessant uh, reprompting for the Apple password is <laughs> is making me lose like my grip on my understanding of technology. Like every time <laughs> it happens, I'm fairly sure I don't understand how to phone. So, and this is uh, like an across the board thing. Like everyone who has an iOS device, whether it's an iPad or an iPhone or an iPad mini or an iPad pro, like all iOS devices have this behavior <laughs> I don't want to, I can't say it's necessarily an error because no one knows why this happens. Well, and this is a classic, uh, you know, one of the worst things about this prompt that um, you can say is it doesn't tell you what it's for. 
Um, and imagine, say, you had a compromise device, and this pop this pop up comes up asking for your credentials, <laughs> and you're just like, "Well, sure, I see this all the time." And then you like, I don't think that's really ever going to happen. That's just fud. But um, as but far that, as uh, that was a thing that happened all the time on like Windows PCs, right? Is uh, you're used to entering your admin password, and then some malware pops up on a website where you should <laughs> never be asked for your Windows password, and it's like, "Hey, buddy." Go ahead and enter that Windows password. <laughs> Which, to be fair, even if it explained where the, the prompt was coming from, that could still be spoofed in the same way. But um, right. as far as in my experience, this prompt, which I've, I've been bitten by this sometimes where I'm like, why do you keep asking? And, uh, you know, the, all the answers online are like, just sign out of everything and sign back in one by one until it goes away. Um, unacceptable. It is unacceptable because why, why they need to fix this error message. So at least it tells you why. Like if it's like, hey, FaceTime wants to know your Apple password and then you can be like, I'm never using FaceTime ever. So I'll just go sign <laughs> out and end this madness. Um, at least you would have those like workarounds to to end it. But the, the other annoying thing is when it pops up, you you can't do anything to like if you have a strong password, I think you're going to get into this. Um, it's like I have to say no to the prompt to go get my password. And then I'm like, I'm like uh, Travolta in that that gif where <laughs> the, he's looking the around, fiction, yeah. like, "Hey, where am I?" <laughs> yeah, like, okay, I have what you asked for. Who asked for this? <laughs> so I, I feel your pain on that. That is absolutely broken. Well, and the 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 upsetting thing about it is because I agree with you that it's not likely the iOS platform is going to be compromised in the same way that like windows 98 could be compromised back in the day so you know this prompt is almost definitely coming from apple right and and i trust that like i'm willing to make that leap of faith that every single one of these prompts is genuine (laughs) and i should be entering my password but here's the absolute kicker the fact that i can't get to my my strong password trying basically as a, a a an incentive to have a crappy password is frustrating. The upsetting thing is when you hit cancel because it's like, I don't know my Apple password off the top of my head. <laughs> and I'm not so going to retype you... it manually from referencing another device. Yeah, no, hell no. <laughs> um, but it, you know, you hit cancel because you don't have your password handy or you don't know it or whatever. And nothing happens. Everything continues to function. You don't immediately get reprompted. There's no error message. All of the apps continue to behave as expected. What? <laughs> <laughs> it is It is bad. It's just, it's been this way for several major versions too. This is not like a new thing. Um, I do think uh, there's there's an edge case where you could imagine some Apple user that wants to use a different Apple ID for every one of these services that I have an iCloud and I have a different App Store account and I have a different iMessage account. But that's a niche, man. And But well, even why? if that were true, I don't know which account it's asking me for. Right, but I'm saying like you'd think they could, if they knew you're using one account for all of them, wrap up this uh, authentication, like skip the if tree, like whatever <laughs> whatever logic is behind the scenes for authentication. Um, I, I, I do think there's an argument that... <laughs> Like of all the weak points of Apple, weirdly authentication is one of them. Why is it so complicated? 
Where do and you this, go it's to not service a cloud service? I, I heard Syracuse go off on this on an ATP, but like, let's say you want to service your Apple account. Where do you go? There's a lot of different places <laughs> you can go, and some of them will ask you your security questions, and some of them may not. And uh, some of them, it's like it's a weird, hairy mess. Um, I'm totally with you on that. That's that's it's a paper cut bordering on just a, a knife slash. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so good. We're on the same page so far. I think I'm probably about to lose you on this next one, but uh, the way I will wrap up the password thing is to say that there is not a single place in Android or all of the Google ecosystem that I know of or that I've ever experienced where this happens. Yeah, they've nailed it. Like if I log into Gmail and then I go to Google Drive, Google Calendar, uh, Hangouts, uh, Photos, anything... A hundred percent works every single time. A hundred percent of the time, if I'm logged into my Google account on my device, and this is actually true on iOS and on Android, which is even more insulting to the iOS engineers. <laughs> if I log into my Google account and then I download like a new Google app of some kind, it just goes, "Hey, is this you?" And I go, "Uh huh." And it goes, "Cool." <laughs> and then like we are made in the shade. It even works with multiple accounts. It'll be like, Hey, is this you? Also, I think this is you. Yeah. Both of those are me. Cool. <laughs> like it's, it just, it works a hundred percent of the time. And uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know. This is such a, a confusing problem with no obvious cause or resolution. Cause whenever someone says like, you know, oh, just log out of all the, the apps that use your Apple account and then just log back in all of them one at a time. I'm like, what is that? Just the crappy iOS version of clear your cache and cookies, you know, <laughs> restart your computer, turn your modem on and off, power cycle it. Like, no, this yeah. is not a solution. Like, this is at best a Band-Aid. At worst, if this works borderline reliably, you are training people in such a way that it prevents Apple from ever having to fix this. <laughs> yeah, uh, they they need to fix this, and um, I thankfully I haven't been bitten lately by this. But I was um, since I will get to the iOS beta topic later. But um, I was bitten by some frustration that made me turn off two factor auth just so I could deal with <laughs> getting set up, and maybe I'll turn it back on. But yeah, no, you definitely should. But this is this is a problem is any UX that inspires a user to just be like, oh, I'll just leave the door unlocked. Oh my uh, God, one, whatever. two, three, four, five is my password <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, not, not a good look. Not a good look, Apple. Uh, so my next thing is, and I don't have a huge list of these. It's just that they are, I find that every day I use the phone, my tolerance of these has not increased. I am as annoyed <laughs> by them today as I was on day one. Um, and so the next one is just, notifications are they suck you suck notifications on your platform <laughs> sucks and and it's not just compared to android although i think the android way is is across the board superior except for like one or two little niche places um but if i have my ipad you know near near my desk and my iphone is on my desk and i'm sitting at my mac and i get an iMessage like 50 different things being all at once that's fine. I understand that, you know, a Google universe of things would behave the same way. However, if I then look at that message and then I pick up my phone 
an hour later, it's still like, hey, you have a text message. And then if I pick up my iPad a day later, it's like, hey, remember this text message? And I'm like, what is this? The... <laughs> the Facebook like nostalgia bump that you get every day. Like I don't need a reminder of this old text message. And it, this is true across um, some of the Google apps, although they seem to be fighting it a little bit. Like it's not quite as bad. Um, but I mean, like not just Apple's apps, like Slack has bit me with this sometimes, not always, which is also frustrating because it's hard <laughs> to get used to a thing that's random. Um, the uh, any, anything that is like a, you give banner access to, you know, the little pop down. Yeah. So like my phone will ding and then I will pick it up and then it dings again after I unlock it. And I'm like, you just made noise. That's why I picked you <laughs> up. Don't, don't that I didn't realize that was the matinee. Don't give me an encore performance now that I've unlocked <laughs> the phone. Like we, you have already notified me. That is why I'm looking at the device. <laughs> What do you is your entire reason you don't find this to be a total cluster just because you've trained your phone to never talk to you? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's part of it. But even before I had an Apple Watch, I I don't think I was. At, I probably just told apps to shut the hell up anyway, so there was just less dinging in general. Um, but I mean, nowadays, I my phone does almost no notifying. Like it's it's pretty much it's there when I want to use it and it's not trying <laughs> like I, I leave some bad like email apps can have the badge and then I'll go look at it when I want to <laughs> and uh, you know like messaging apps are allowed to have badges and then they can send my to my watch but that's it and and so maybe this is hey I've I've dug my trench deep and I'm in my bunker so hey this war ain't so bad um I I do think there's a bigger conversation about notification hell and there's actually a you know very relevant to this as a recent control walt delete podcast where uh <laughs> walt mossberg uh pines for the old days of email and he, he fully admits i hated getting 300 emails a day but at least they were all in outlook and i could set up rules and it was one very very well managed <laughs> form of chaos and now I've got 15 messaging apps and people try several of them when they don't get the immediate response they want. And they, these all have their own notification settings. So even if you were committed to iOS's insanity and you were going to configure the hell out of it to only ping in certain ways, um, you've got to do that for 20 apps instead of one. And um, I'm struck by iOS seems like uh, you know, in a weird way, it's very flexible. It's like, hey, what exact way would you like this app to notify you? We've got banners, we've got badges, we've got lock screen, we've got notification center, we've got Apple Watch. But at the same time, you it's... sound like a uh, like a circus caller. <laughs> like, step right up. We've got banners. Yeah. We've got badges. We've it's got notification like... dings. It's like somehow very elaborate, like gives you lots of control and at the same time does not really help you manage the chaos. Um, and I don't know if that's like I, I was inspired by Walt Mossberg's explanation of Outlook, even though I have no interest in going backwards to an email focused Outlook world. Um, but the the salient point was that. The if you think of Outlook more as like an OS in that situation, it gave him the tools he needed to triage, to deal with things 
in a relatively painless way. And that's what OSs need to do. And so I, I would never sit here and say just because I can turn my notifications down and my watch can do something that therefore iOS notifications are amazing. <laughs> so I, I hear your story. I feel your pain. Um, I do think they, they need to steal Android's, at least the shade, the, the persistent menu bar indicator and also the way things can work in the shade. They should totally steal that. But even that, I, I still think Android probably could offer a lot more for helping us manage our insane digital lives, too. I mean, my my off-the-cuff, can't you just, and then all the engineers cringe and hate me, thought is what iOS seems to have done and what Android could easily steal if they wanted to go that route would be to say notifications settings are a service. So if your app uses notifications, they have to be piped through this API, which will make them all show up in this notification settings area, right? Which is seems to be exactly how Apple has done it. It's like you either yeah. tec- technically can't or are uh, discouraged through rules from putting uh, notification settings directly into an application. They have to be in that general notification area. And, and I do think that part of it is better, but like, Literally everything else is worse. <laughs> just the the yeah, it's just it's just worse on like every other front. Well, and my knowledge of the way Android does it is years out of date now because I haven't had a daily driver Android device since like 2012. Um, but you know, I liked some of the best apps. I really enjoyed the way it worked. You know, being able to reply from the shade. But I was also frustrated that like. Very few apps did that. Is, is that better now? Is almost every app that matters embracing the Th- full that potential? Is, that has gotten quite a bit better. The The powers that the shade affords to an app in terms of quick replies or quick dismissal or... Yeah, media uh, controls and all that. Yeah, me, all that kind of stuff. Like Apps have either integrated those things or died and were replaced by (laughs) apps that did integrate those things so that's that seems to be pretty going pretty good and i think there's even some more notification hotness coming up in the next version of android so there'll be you know the same kind of thing not everybody will embrace it at first and then it'll be a slow climb but you know eventually it's a continual growth and improvement not just a like this is what we give you you're screwed yeah there there are some like unrealized uh, poorly implemented which implementation is everything so i i can't this isn't a free pass but you know in, in ios there's this concept of vips which i think has potential that they they've only really implemented for mail i think <laughs> and cuz like i like i really want the like it used to be outlook or whatever email client you liked like provided you the tools to manage the insanity you know filters in gmail whatever it is and the OSs don't have a lot of that sauce. And especially between devices, like this is ripe for someone to nail this. And like, I, you know, if it's from my wife, send it to all my devices. If it's from work, uh, nah. my iP- <laughs> send it to spam. <laughs> <laughs> my iPad never needs to see that. It just doesn't matter. I can go into my email when I want to. Lo- and like I can manually implement that by saying, hey, iPad, you don't get notifications from Outlook. But to have some sort of meta layer above the specific devices 
would be really nice to if this then that it to like it's like Final Fantasy twelve. You want to have all your your macros for how your people behave in battle situations. The gambit system. Yeah, I want a <laughs> gambit system for notifications. Well, and I, I, I think, and I may be just projecting, but the benefit of having a system like that is, to me, is to raise up VIPs, not to fine tune a hundred million knobs. Because, right. the, I think the wife work situation is a perfect example. Like. I want my my spouse or my children when they're older to be able to get in touch with me basically no matter what. Like they pretty much have a full line to me under any circumstances at almost any time. And that is not true of like work things when I'm on vacation or, you know, games that I'm playing. Like I don't want to be notified of crap game. Go away. So being able to depress everything universally and then just lift up the few people because if you know if i have a contact that says you know this is my spouse on hangouts this is my spouse on skype this is my spouse's email this is my spouse's phone number and i can just say anything that's from that person i don't care what channel it's coming through right don't make me mark them a vip in every single app that they could potentially message me (laughs) on and and i think a lot of this is solved through culture where it's like you know, you and Shelby and Susan and I, like we know, not only do we know how, what channels we message each other on, but like when I was still wearing my Moto 360 every day, which is a whole other story, but when I was still wearing my Moto 360 every day, I used it to do like a, a, a spoken reply through the watch and I used the wrong keyword and it sent it as a text message and not as a hangout. And when she replied the, before she answered my question, she said, why did you text me? <laughs> because that's just not like we just normally talk right. over hangouts. So like just that one little, you know, instance of stepping out of those bounds. But generally speaking, I don't want her to have to know, oh, well, if I call him twice back to back, it'll ring. Even if his phone's on silent, like I yeah. should be able to just say like, hey, magical computer assistant box, this person is important. Let them get a hold of me. Which that's true for calls specifically, but man, it needs to be smarter beyond that. Yeah, like if Shelby texts you three times in a row, it doesn't magically start ringing the phone. <laughs> and they, there are even, now that I think about it, there are even apps that do that kind of thing where you tell your you know, your grandfather or your, your elderly parent or your spouse or your whoever, you know, Oh, if you need me, text, you know, E-911 to my my number and my text messaging app will recognize it and then it will ring the phone even if the phone's on silent. And it's like just telling someone, you know, oh, well, if there's, you know, if your arm gets cut off, here's how you tie a tourniquet. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, most people are not going to have the wherewithal to tie a tourniquet when their arm just got cut off. That's just... Yeah. You have to do this special rain dance to get a hold of me. <laughs> yeah, so I, I would love for it to just be baked right in. Um, my last uh, complaint, and I feel like this one's pretty legitimate because this is not really a matter of like preference over you know Android over iOS or, or whatever. Um, apps just freaking crash, like, and totally unceremoniously. Uh, this happened on my iPad before I even had an iPhone. Now that it happens on the iPhone, I've seen this happen on other people's iOS devices that are different, you know, versions and different years and different storage and all kinds of different applications. Like I'll be on my iPad and I'll have a game open and then it'll just go, 
hey, remember the dashboard? Let's take a look at that. And then, <laughs> and then I'm just back in the app launcher and I'm like, whoa, what happened to my game? And then you go to relaunch the game and sometimes it's like, oh, hey, you want to play this game? This game's super fun. But like when uh, uh, Fallout, um, the vault, Fallout Shelter, thank you. Uh, when that first came out, I played it for like a couple days and then it did one of these unceremonious crashes for the last time and just decided it was never going to get back up because every time <laughs> I would press on the app icon, it was a TKO it would, and punch out. <laughs> yeah, just, just like total like down for the count because it would, you know, do the like spring loady like app is now taking over the screen kind of animation and then just be like, nah, let's go back to the dashboard. Dashboard's cool. And then I tried restarting. The only thing that fixed it was uninstalling and reinstalling the app. And a game <laughs> is fairly large. So that is kind of a time intensive process when you have to do it multiple times per day. And so, if the game doesn't have a cloud save concept, then what are you going to do? Back up somehow yeah. and restore? I don't Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and this is, I've had this happen, I think, more often with games or at least i've noticed it more often with games but i've absolutely had this happen in calendar and in the web browser and in email like just in iMessage like you'll i'll just be in the middle of something and then it's like let's go back to the dashboard <laughs> i'm like no i was doing a thing i wonder if this like maybe it maybe it's software stability problems but i also wonder if it's apple stinginess on ram because you know they they the apologists make a lot of hay about like we do more with less, haha. <laughs> you know our system is smooth and we don't need ten gigahertz quad core processors with fifteen gigs of RAM, um, not sixteen, fifteen. <laughs> uh, but where you're like, hey, can you just throw in four gigs of RAM and let's just call this good? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and maybe I, I maybe I have blinders because I'm very deep in in the Apple universe, and so I'm like, ah, I don't know if it's that bad. And you're like, Mike, that's Apple privilege. You need to take your goggles <laughs> off. Um, I do feel I do feel like my iPad Pro is more rock solid, and it has four gigs of RAM. So who mm. knows? <laughs> no, I could totally believe the RAM thing because uh, I've also noticed that I'm. I don't quit apps because I'm not a crazy person and I understand right, how, me <laughs> how memory management works, but I do close browser tabs and that's, I'll admit there's a little part of me that's doing that too. Cause in my mind, I'm, I'm pretty like, sure oh, those get sleeped just the they, same way. apps. <laughs> they totally do. But there, there's that little part of me that's like, ah, oh, I'm freeing up Ram, but, uh, <laughs> you're downloading more. <laughs> I'm going to download way more Ram this summer. It's one of my summer projects. Uh, but one of the things that it does do is when I open a new tab, like if I click on a link in a chat app or something and it opens a new tab, I don't have 600 other tabs, some of which may now be like, oh, crap, I'm the next tab in the line. Should I should I reload? Do I <laughs> do I reuse some RAM? And I do occasionally actually switch back and forth between the browser and some other applications, not as much as I would on like a laptop, but it is kind of annoying. Like tab management is not quite as clean on a mobile device yeah. when, when you get above like four or five tabs. So I, I just close them like out of, you know, practice, but sometimes I'll be like, Oh, I forgot. I never read this article. And then you open that tab and then it's like, Oh crap, I got to reload. I wasn't actually here. I'm yeah. like a placeholder. So, you know, throw some more RAM in there guys. <laughs> Seriously. Um, Whew. 
really angry this episode. <laughs> Let it all out. It's it's almost like uh, I should start a podcast. <laughs> well, to continue the iOS train, maybe with less hate and more more. This is not hate. You're just you're just your experience. Um, I have inadvertently jumped on the beta train. Uh, Apple started their public beta. Inadvertently. <laughs> um, my biggest motivator is I wanted I want WatchOS 3.0, man. <laughs> I, I want more responsive apps. I want I want to be able to to use its features. But watchOS is tied to iOS, so I ended up uh, updating both my phone and my watch, but but not my iPad. My iPad's going to remain my rock solid, currently <laughs> shipping OS machine. Um, and this isn't a review, but there are a few tidbits about iOS 10, and it's a beta, so I'm not really commenting about you know, it crashes or it's slow sometimes. Um, but I sent you a picture of the music app, which I want to start off by saying is way less confusing. And it's <laughs> like they discovered information hierarchy. So it's, <laughs> it's way more obvious where you are and what's happening. And the, even the order of the buttons on the bottom is way more u- user-friendly, less hostile, because the first button is your library and not for you, where they <laughs> have assembled a bunch of playlists. Um, one of my friends was joking, like, he was like, hey, did you know that Sonic Youth was an influential band? Because every single time I open Apple Music, it wants me to check out their <laughs> landmark album, Daydream Nation. And I know what that album is. Stop showing it to me. Um, Shut up, Apple Music. I get it. But anyway, the, the, the music app is way better, um, way less confusing, way, way simpler. But one of the hilarious things is uh, the first time you add a song to your library, it asks you if you want it to automatically download these songs. And the font size, which has already been made fun of on Twitter, is so big that the, the word automatically is split into two lines, which just looks awful. <laughs> it looks so bad. When you first sent it to me, my brain did that thing where it just like kind of corrected the error for me. And then when I, because that was on my phone. And I was just like, oh, a screenshot of iOS 10. Who cares? And then I was like, wait, Mike wouldn't just send that to me for no reason. So then when I brought it up on my laptop and it's, you know, download music automatica. Lee? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they really need to get the font set. Someone was just like command plusing like 10 times too many. and (laughs) needs to back away from the keyboard. Um the other funny picture I sent you was uh, this very distorted photo booth picture of me with like crazy tiny eye and stretched face. <laughs> and uh, this was their their photos algorithm <laughs> asking if this was my brother Justin, <laughs> um, which was somehow funnier than maybe even the car tire for my mom, you know, eight years ago. <laughs> And this, I mean, this kind of thing is going to happen, and I'm sure I could probably find a Google Photos thing that did the same thing. But um, I, I would say this is a beta, but n- no one is expecting Apple to be better than Google at this photo stuff. And in general, it seemed to work really well. Like I plugged my phone in and came back in a couple hours, and it had scanned my entire. I have three thousand photos. And so I could search cat and a bunch of Felix pictures showed up. Um, He also showed up in the dog category, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt there because the pictures were just a furry creature where you couldn't see its head. And I'm like, sure, that's a dog. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. I, it's, uh, 
car tire and mom i don't think is quite forgivable but but you know this it was this a different cat, time though yeah this this cat might be a dog is like okay um so i mean if if you're interested in the best i don't see why you wouldn't install google photos um because it's better and um it's just a re- even just as an app as a ui is very good and uh, you could do far worse but um if you have any reasons to not like google i guess this could this could do the job for you <laughs> well there's there's a a non extremist argument to be made for someone who loves iOS and wants to try new things, but also is cool with Google because when you upload your photo library to iCloud, you're backing it up to another place. And most people, whether they're super tech savvy and they live a totally paperless life or they're still doing everything on, you know, dead trees and in filing cabinets, most people take digital photos and those are the things most people really don't want to lose. So Backing your photos up to, you know, if you're already okay with Google and you want to add in iCloud and you get some funny, you know, is this messed up face your brother kind of jokes out of it, <laughs> that's not so bad. Or if you're already using iCloud and you want a a better, you know, a, let's face it, a probably better performance and feature set and, and maybe even a better designed app, then, you know, eh, Google Photos. You got yeah. options. And I, as far as the past year or however long since Apple revamped their photo thing, I think I'd put it in the same category as their newer notes where it's like, hey, they got one competently right. It works. <laughs> and so like they're, you know, with Apple stuff, the, the cloud products start out in a place of suspicion and skepticism, but slowly some of them I'm pushing out into, no, this thing seems like it kind of works. And I would say in general, the photos have been that good, um, but definitely not iCloud email or <laughs> um, there's really no reason to use their calendar thing unless you really only ever do your own calendars and you never need to invite other people to things. But, so question about the photos. Now your iPad, which has not been updated, if you go and look at photos on your iPad, are they different? Like, can you search on them? Cause all the, all that stuff is happening on the device, but it, is it stored in the cloud? Like, how does that work? No. So, I mean, their current implementation, for, uh, from what I heard from the, there was a talk show where they talked to F- Craig Federighi about this. Um, even if you have multiple Apple devices, it'll do the scanning separately on each device. Uh, it does not store this in the cloud. Apple never sees any of it. Um, so, but they are storing your photos. Do they encrypt them? Uh, I assume they do. Um, they, because th- cause if they, if they store unencrypted photos and they're just not doing the processing on them, uh, I'm pretty sure they're <laughs> encrypted. I'm pretty sure Apple can't look at your photos. Okay. So, I mean, that makes total and complete sense. So I mean, but that th- means that when your library, like you just uploaded all these, these photos through your phone, when you eventually update to iOS 10 on your iPad, it will go, oh, hey, look, 3,000 photos I need to scan. Yeah, it'll have to spend a night going through them separately. Now, even though their photos are encrypted, I don't see why Apple couldn't eventually engineer it to share the results between devices. If it knows you're using iCloud Photo Library, it knows those libraries are the same, um, and there's already lots of features for syncing the photos anyway between devices. So I think this is more MVP situation of 
eh, let's just each one off device does it. Yeah, presumably this is once the scanning is done, it's not like it rescans the same photos over and over and over and over and over. So it could store the metadata about that photo on the photo on the device and then encrypt it and back it up to iCloud. So, I mean, this is totally doable. Yeah, the at rest, basically. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, the watch. So the, the r- rumors are true that apparently Apple was so paranoid about battery life that they really did gimp the performance of watch apps uh, on OS 1 and 2 because um, even just on this beta, which has been a little crashy, it's a beta, I'm not going to really, you know, if they ship it that way final, then I will raise hell, but whatever, this is what I signed up for. Um, (laughs) But it's like, clearly they were paranoid with their RAM and battery budget because suddenly the watch is useful for apps. Um, I, you know, I'll go to the messages app and, um, I will also say scribbling is legit. Like if I, if I know I just need to send one or two words back, uh, man, not using Siri. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm with you on that. Cause your fat finger on that tiny screen is still probably more accurate than Siri. <laughs> well, and I mean, the problem with Siri is if you use, if you're using any non-standard word, a product name, uh, uh, anything out of the ordinary, you're kind of rolling the dice on <laughs> what weird phonetic interpretation will come <laughs> out the other side. <laughs> so do you feel like the, the apps are, um, the apps themselves haven't changed at all, right? They're just now that they have access to like full, full power, like they've suddenly become useful. Well, the the I mean, Apple has updated their app, so the Messages app is better, and the um, these, some of the native apps are just have more features. But I do think, and so, yeah, third party apps clearly aren't updated yet. They they aren't allowed to ship new apps to the App Store for this yet. Um, but even just the mere fact of being ready and RAM to go is kind of a game changer because before it'd be like. Do I want to look at my work count? No, let's get my phone. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, you know, I know when I tap on the calendar, it's going to be ready to scroll immediately and I can see what's happening tomorrow. And so for a three-second interaction, I don't have to pull my phone out of my pocket. This is what I signed up for with the smartwatch. Um, <laughs> um, so it's it's also, it's not just that apps are faster, though. They... To their credit, they were willing to, they didn't say this, but they're basically admitting they, they screwed up with the, the OS design, which you weren't shy about saying when they unveiled it. Nope. Um, <laughs> but basically, the, the, the biggest change is the, the second button, not the digital crown, but the, the other button. <laughs> uh, it used to bring up a sort of your wheel of friends so that apparently you would go in and you know, tickle them with little drawings you know, a hundred times every day. They apparently yeah, enough that like you that, do. <laughs> um, that is now a dock, which is a very well-established UI concept of show me the things I do often. Um, whether it's an OS 10 dock or a taskbar in Windows or the bottom row on most phones has several apps that are kind of persistently there. So that's what that brings up for your watch. It's not a honeycomb, though the honeycomb is still there, but you don't need it, thankfully. <laughs> um, so basically, in any app you put in the dock, which they let you put up to 10. Um, oh, you have to put them in there? It's not just like when you alt-tab? 
Well, I, I think if you don't actively put them there, I think it just loads in as you use apps. Okay. Um, but you can specify these are the 10 apps I care about. And that indicates to the system, hey, these apps get to stay in RAM a lot longer. Um, mm. So they get privileged uh, UI refresh and, and all that kind of stuff. So they're ready to go. And 10 may be a limitation, but it seems like a pretty healthy space to operate in. No, it, that's I'm, it may be an arbitrary safety limitation, just like what they were doing, but it seems like kind of a lot. Like I don't, I don't think on my Android phones I ever even had ten apps on the home screen. So <laughs> it's a watch. How yeah. many apps do I need to use regularly on my watch? Yeah, and I, I can't speak to the the business logic of. Um, I would say from a what's the right idea, what they should have shipped perspective, this should have been 1.0, hands down. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what they should have shipped. Not, not even 2.0? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, there's always going to be some refinement, and I'm, I'm, I realize that the world of software development is about iteration. It's not about being magically perfect at launch, but um, they if... You know, maybe business-wise, they had to get into the market, had to show something new, whatever, blah, 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 for, you know, to to sate all the tech journalists that are like, Apple never makes anything anymore. (laughs) But All they do is remake things and reinvent them. But for a company that usually likes to get a lot right about, like... You know, the iPhone got a lot right with their the first iPhone. Like, yeah, there was no 3G or copy and paste or third-party apps, but, man, you looked at that thing and you're like, that that's the future. Yep, got yep, it. There it is. <laughs> the future is a black rectangle. And the watch just did not land like that. And I, I say this as someone who really enjoyed even the 1.0 and 2.0 watch. I still really enjoyed having it, but this is so much better already. Do, do, do you have, have it on right now? Yes, Okay, we we always record pretty late at night, so I'm not always sure if you're going to have it accessible. Um, I'm just curious, can you count for me from, you know, lifting your, your wrist to how many things you have to do to get to the honeycomb? Uh, lift my arm and press the digital crown. That's it? Yeah. Okay. Do you get the feeling that that's maybe going to go away in like three, five or something <laughs> like, like they, they've, you know, pushed it to the back burner and then in the next one, they're just going to push it off the counter. Well, I mean, in, it's sort of like dashboard on OS 10, which <laughs> is still technically <laughs> around, but, um, Apple very did not say a single thing about the honeycomb or and, show it even in the screenshots yeah. and the live demos. It did not come up once. And, you know, like dashboard with OS 10, it doesn't mean it's going to go away, but that is usually a good indicator. Like Apple doesn't, you know, pull the trumpet section out when they're going to kill part of an OS. <laughs> it just kind of gets quietly ignored for a while, and then later it disappears. <laughs> Which I think is, you know, if it's not hurting anything being there, that's fine. But with the watch, because your uh, ways of interacting with it are so limited. So you, you have the one button, right? You have the crown. You yeah. can push the crown so that, you know, the crown has two interactions, scrolling and pushing. Yeah. And then obviously the touchscreen. So you have, you know, broadly speaking, four ways to interact. Two buttons you can press, the crown you can turn, and then the screen you can interact with. So 
25% of your potential interactions are being spent on the honeycomb you're never, ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever going to use. Well, I mean, the, the analog or the, the analogy it is, is the, it's the home button. So if you're in an app, it'll take you back to your watch face. So oh, so it that, doesn't even always do the same thing. Well, it's, it's sort of like if you're on your watch face, it takes you to your home screen if you thought the honeycomb was a, vet, a worthy follow-up to the home screen. But also if you're inside an app, it'll pull you out of it. So I think that okay. function is rock solid. It's just the honeycomb itself that's just kind of there. <laughs> so then if you were already, if you're in an app and you hit it, it takes you back to the watch face. Yeah. And if you're on the watch phase, it takes you to the honeycomb. Is yeah. there some place, you know, since you, you're a daily active user, is there some place that you would rather it take you besides the honeycomb if you're already on the watch phase? I mean, there's, maybe there's, the dock. I'm okay with the other button being the dock. I, I imagine at some part of the interface, there has to be a here are all your apps. It's just the honeycomb as an expression of that that seems flawed to me. But I wouldn't be opposed to that button taking me to some other conception of listing apps. Okay. So uh, when you go into the dock, it's uh, horizontal scrolling, yeah? Yeah. Does horizontal scrolling on a watch touchscreen feel less annoying than it does on a phone touchscreen because on a phone every time someone makes me a horizontal scroll I kind of want to punch them in the throat <laughs> well I think this works with the physical metaphor um, of like it's sort of like the card interface for multitasking or um, that's probably the best comparison I can make so I don't think that's a, it's a big deal going left to right for that um, it they have cleaned up that whole hierarchy pretty well, um, which actually the, the, the Luke Rabrowski or whatever his name is, <laughs> uh, the, he, he works on Google Plus and a bunch of other stuff, um, but is always posting the amazing UI stuff. Um, very early on in Apple Watch, he posted a screenshot of like how it should be, and it was basically like the hierarchy of left to right should be these things, and up and down should represent... You know, whether it's scrolling content or... Oh, uh, yeah. I think I remember seeing that. And they've basically implemented a lot of that kind of <laughs> thinking. Um, and uh, so... Thanks, Robluski. Like, it used to be, if you're on a watch face, you'd swipe up and you would get these, this thing called glances, which they've completely done away with. The glances are merged with the apps themselves, because why are these two separate versions of seeing something, especially when they load so slowly. It's not a glance. <laughs> um, so it used to be confusing. Like, do I go to an app or do I swipe up and look at a glance? And why are there both of these? And why are they different directions? Um, so now when you swipe up, it's just control center. It's, that's the only thing that's from below, which is consistent with the phone. It feels like a very natural thing to pull up a bunch of controls. Right. Um, and so left to right, changes your watch face or if you're in the dock it changes your app and so that's very consistent left to right is switching the interface you're looking at and then swiping from the top down is notifications which again matches the phone matches android etc so if you are luke rabluski <laughs> and you see the uh, apple keynote you know like a month ago and they show the new interactions on the watch. Are you patting yourself on the back or are you like, <laughs> God damn it. I just, why did I fix their product for them for free? 
Well, I guess how gracious you want to be, but I, I, I think he, he's a humble enough guy to say, yeah, good ideas are good ideas, and it's not, I'm not the only person that has good ideas. And I, because I did not yet copyright this good idea. <laughs> it's good for the world that um, <laughs> a device that millions of people are going to use will have a less crazy interface. Yeah, and I am, and I, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I'm now firmly in the camp of like, please please steal from each other because <laughs> everything is a remix kind of like everything is a remix yeah. life. Like that is just how I roll now. So when I say I want iOS to steal the notification jade from Android, it's not because I think the Android one is better and therefore the only right way it's because <laughs> they won't steal it verbatim. They'll steal it and then like make some tweaks, which may be even better. And then I want Android to steal those back and, I mean, I love my my Android Wear watch, but there are definitely things the Apple Watch does better, right? So, like, please keep stealing from me. <laughs> uh, the the next big paradigm for me is I I do want the watch to be independent. I want you know an LTE connection. I want GPS. I want all that. Like, let me have use any phone I want. <laughs> that seems like either very soon or not for quite a while like <laughs> it's that, either or but i mean i don't think it'll happen in two or three you know like the the three to five year mark i think it'll happen like next year or like in 10 years <laughs> because i can i can imagine based on the way these companies tend to t- treat each other that they will either rush to the lte fully independent watch land grab like right now, right? Like they're already working on it right now, or they're going to butt heads with their, you know, they're going to make the walls of their walled gardens smash against each other as long as they can until they eventually, years from now, come crumbling down. Yeah. Well, this is where I hope, like, that's the best option if you're Pebble, if you're anyone who's not Google or Apple, like even Microsoft, like, you want a new watch platform that becomes big enough that eventually Google and Apple got to go, all right, our users want to use your watch. We need to, <laughs> we need to play ball. And, you know, for, I mean, Google's Android is way more open from the outset. So that's probably a little easier to do, but even there, Android where, if you care about that specifically, you, you have to play nice with what Google wants. Um, Apple's just not gonna, <laughs> they're just not gonna let you in. <laughs> you, you could just stop that sentence early. Apple's just not gonna, <laughs> just um, full stop. But then you just have to hope that the, the wide open web provides the services you need to make users happy. Um, and that, that could be our future. We could have that wonderful future where it's not, Hey, do you want Google or Apple or GTFO? Um, but they can be prodded by other companies. I mean, we've already entered a crazy world where there are fairly legitimate rumors and maybe even confirmed announcements at this point from Skype that they're going to re-architect to use WebRTC. Yeah. So maybe, you know, it'll take longer and, and the, the, the walled gardens will have to leave the way, but maybe eventually all of these things will just become uh, not API-atized, but like general protocol-atized, where it's like, yeah, of course there's like a web protocol for sending 
I don't know, if notifications. Like, yes, of course. Well, there actually is one of those now. But, th- <laughs> but that's exactly what I mean. Is like if you wanted desktop notifications, you used to have to have a native app. Now a website can send you desktop notifications. And I hate but, it, and I turn them all off. <laughs> but the fact that it's even something... But the, the plumbing isn't what <laughs> yes, I hate. Right. <laughs> I don't hate the plumbing. I just hate everything connected to it's it. It's the sewage they're spewing at me <laughs> that I hate. But I mean, you know, WebRTC is not yet fully realized as a a wonderful future dream, but it's coming, right? It's pretty, pretty soon you're going to be able to just from any web browser, spin up audio calls with multiple people, spin up video calls with multiple people and and not need plugins, not need special software, not need anything. There's just going to be a standardized protocol to do that magic. That's exciting. Yes. All right, I think I think I'm ready to put a bow on it. I think I will do the teaser forward thing though, and say that uh, as of the time of this recording, just a couple of days ago, Pokemon Go was released. Ooh. <laughs> so I downloaded, installed it. Did you? I installed it. I have not played it yet. Good man. So then that gives <laughs> us until the next recording, sometime next weekend, to I don't know, walk around our neighborhoods and catch some Pokemon. Yes. And then we get to talk about it because <laughs> we have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening to episode 127 of Flipping Tables. Uh, someone needs to tell us what power of two that is. I know we all have calculators and we can figure <laughs> it out pretty fast, but, um, you know, is that two to the eighth? I don't know. Offhand. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I'm not a computer scientist. I'm a doctor. Uh, so, Head to sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 127 for show notes or head to our Reddit community, which also cross posts the show notes in addition to giving you the comment platform you always wanted to yell at us. Um, if you go to reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables, you'll see uh, a bunch of recent episodes and hopefully the new one uh, will already be there. Uh, we'll, we'll fix that if we didn't already. Um, so Definitely talk to us there. If you have follow-up comments, follow-up topics, we love all that. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, uh, I'm at PseudoMichael, S-U-D-O, Michael, and Lions, you are? At Lions in Beta. And uh, while you're looking at our episode or listening to it, uh, if you haven't already, you should subscribe. Uh, If you're new to the podcast game, subscribing just means you'll get new episodes automatically. You won't even have to think about it. Um, You won't have to go to our website. And uh, you can do that with a podcast app. So I like to use Overcast or iOS has a built-in podcast app. Or you could use uh, Podcast Addict or Pocket Cast. Um, which I've been using more of lately, Pocket Cast, even though I eagerly await a new version that has better smart speed and uh, you know audio normalization and stuff like that. Please, please release that. Uh, <laughs> what's their company? Jelly something? Shift Jelly? Uh, shift, shifty Jelly. All right. Shifty Jelly? Not just Shift Jelly? Shifty Jelly, as in like shifty-eyed dog. All right. Um, <laughs> I'll allow it. Uh, so, yeah, just search for Flipping Tables or Sunrise Robot and you can subscribe. Uh, if you'd like to do more directly for us, uh, you could leave us an iTunes review, even if you don't use iTunes for anything else. Uh, just sign in and, and leave us a rating and a review. It helps boost our show and possibly get it in front of some other listeners. Uh, if you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash sunriserobot and pledge dollars to our network. 
uh, which is always amazingly appreciated by us. And uh, with that, I do want to give special thanks to our Patreon sponsors, Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Congressman Cunningham, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Abramovich, Justin Edwards, and Joan Edwards. We love you all so much. Thank you for supporting us. So much love. All right. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.